Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I am so happy that you're here with me for another week talking about wellness for women of color. One of the biggest requests that I have gotten since starting Balanced Black Girl, since launching this platform, um, was for community. Essentially, I have received an outpouring of requests from women saying, thank you for doing this. I want to connect with other balanced black girls in my area, especially from women who are in Seattle, which is where I'm based out of, saying, how can we get together? What can we do to make this a real thing in real life? We need the balanced black girl community in our lives. I hear you. I'm working on it, and I'm so excited to bring you more in real life Balanced Black Girl experiences. In the meantime, so that you can participate in Balanced Black Girl from wherever you are, I wanted to invite you to a couple of really fun community happenings that we have going on. First off is we do have the Balanced Black Girl Podcast Facebook group. If you just go to Facebook, search Balanced Black Girl Podcast Community, or uh, head to our show notes, I will have the Facebook group linked there as well. That is where we have more in-depth conversations about uh, the episodes. That is where people get recommendations and advice. That's where you have me hanging out, chatting with you real time. It's a really, really wonderful community centered around wellness for everyone. So first step for the community is to join our Facebook group. I know you will love it. It is a really supportive, safe space. The next thing is that we are officially kicking off the Balance Black Girl Book Club, which I am so excited about. I personally have had the goal to read more forever, and I decided to start the book club to keep myself more accountable and also to really spotlight more women of color authors. So every other month, I will be selecting a book from a woman of color author, and we will do our virtual Balanced Black Girl Book Club. So if you are in, our first book is going to be Becoming by none other than Michelle Obama. We are just getting started now. Um, So go ahead, grab your copy of Becoming, read along with us. As you read, make sure you post on social and use the hashtag BBGreads so that I can see that you're reading and following along. And for those of you who are in Seattle or in the Pacific Northwest, keep an eye out because we will be having an IRL book club celebration. More to come on that super, super soon. And the last thing I wanted to say, especially around community, is we also have our Balanced Black Girl newsletter. So every Tuesday, I send out the editorial that has a roundup of inspiring reads from different things women of color are doing in the wellness space. I share everything from workouts to meditations to recipes to self-care tips, just really continuing to spotlight what women of color and wellness are doing and that great content that maybe you don't have time to look for. I'm rounding it all up and I'm sending it straight to your inbox every Tuesday. So we also have in the show notes where you can subscribe to grab the newsletter every Tuesday. You also get first dibs on every podcast episode. Just a really great community happenings that you want to be a part of. Last but certainly not least, before we dive into today's show, I just wanted to share the review of the week with you. I'm still 
blown away by the incredible reviews that this show has gotten and I'm so grateful for it. But I will say we do need more reviews to continue expanding the community, to continue spreading the word, and to really continue having people hear these conversations. So if you have not yet reviewed the Balanced Black Girl podcast on iTunes, please do so. It is a huge help for the show. This week's review says, Less, so proud of the new podcast and the BBG platform. From day one, Les has been an honest and unapologetic voice in the wellness community who always keeps it real and says what really needs to be said. I can't wait for more conversations about inclusivity in the wellness space and of course some good workout jams because Les has the best music. Thank you so much for this review and thank you for complimenting my taste in music. There's actually no bigger compliment for me. My playlists are my love language. So the fact that anyone else out there appreciates them besides just me (laughs) um, is really flattering and very exciting. So for today's show, my guest Felicia Johnson is going to be joining me and she is just a powerhouse. She's a good friend of mine who is a business professional. She also has her own business where she trains youth athletes in speed and agility. She is an inspirational speaker. She is just a force and just a lovely, lovely person. Every time I talk to her, I learn so much from her and I'm constantly inspired by her and I'm so happy to have her on the show today. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into my conversation with Felicia so that you can get to know her and I know that you will love her just as much as I do. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Felicia Johnson. Felicia is a former professional track athlete turned empowerment speaker, owner of athletic training company, Philippe Performance, and philanthropic advisor. She uses her MBA education and firsthand experience running her own business to thrive within all three of her callings. Felicia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So excited to have you. Um, So for any of our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you yet, do you want to just kind of let us know who you are, what you do, maybe fill in any gaps that I missed when I introduced you? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It's it's fun to hear someone give your bio and you're like, oh, I do do all that stuff, don't I? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had a post recently and I'm like, I've had someone ask me, what do you do? And I'm like, that's a good question. I do it all. Like, <laughs> what don't I do? Um, but yeah, so I started my career as an athlete. So I ran track at the University of Washington and had a great career, became an All-American in the 100-meter hurdles and took that on to be a professional hurdler. So I was able to be sponsored by Brooks, which is a local company. And they really helped me like live out one of my like lifelong dreams was to be a professional athlete and to make it to the Olympics. Um, but I did not make it. I came close to make it to the Olympic trials. I missed it by four spots. And it, it was one of those things where, you know, I felt like I gave all my effort. I put so much energy into it. And then finally it was kind of time for me to hang up my shoes and my spikes. So that took me into kind of figuring out what was my professional career going to be? You know, was I going to put a suit and tie on and, you know, as, and kind of get dressed up and go and have a nine to five and, I started to do the philanthropic work. And so I work at the University of Washington and I work with donors across the West Coast and I do fundraising. And so that is what pays the bills. But I've always had this strong passion for 
athletes and for training. So over the last about eight years, I have been coaching. So whether that be coaching track field or kind of going off and creating fleet performance and focusing on speed and agility. And I work with soccer athletes, lacrosse, softball, football, and I just started adding on adult clients too and doing some like overall fitness. And between the two of those, one is more like the business savvy and one is more like entrepreneurship. I've been able to turn the, those experiences I've learned and gained from the track as well as having a business and speak on them with lately with a handful of events. And that kind of added my third hat to what I do with doing more empowerment speaking and motivational speaking, which has been, it's been great to share my story. Absolutely. And I mean, I know having gone to events where I've heard you speak, it's also really great to be in the audience and to hear you tell your story because you are a really talented speaker. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into speaking specifically and what that journey has been like for you? Yeah, that was something where I kind of just started saying, like, I want to share my story more and I want to get in front of people. And it started at, I worked at Gonzaga University for four years and I was having coffee with one of my colleagues and telling her about my athletic journey and how no, I, I had four years where I just didn't do that great. And I got injured. I was homesick being from California. And I had this like standout year, my senior, my super senior, I should say. And it all kind of came together. And she's like, oh, that's so inspiring. Like how you were resilient, how you just kept going, moving forward and putting all that hard work in. You should share that with the team. And I'm like, oh, they don't want to hear this. And it's like, no, they would love to hear it. So at a staff kind of retreat we had, I stood up and I told my story to about 50 of our team members. And next thing you know, one of our magazine editors was in the room and she said, I would love to write that up and put it in our magazine too. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, Whoa. That's so cool. It was. And she kind of said, well, actually it would be great to have it from your words. So how about you write it? And it'll okay. And I just, I don't say no to much. I kind of like, all right, <laughs> I'll try something new. It doesn't matter to me. Check something off my to-do or bucket list, I should say. And so it started there and I enjoyed it. And I had people come up to me afterwards and say, oh, that was so inspiring. Or, oh, wow, that really motivated me to go and give it my all. Or, you know, even if I get turned down or said no to, I still have a shot if I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so that kind of planted that seed. And from there, it just became putting out there to the world, like telling more people that I, I want to speak more and I want to get in front of different audiences. And I've been really lucky to have just good friends and good colleagues that once they heard what my passion was, they put it out there in the atmosphere for me. Mm. So they just start dropping my name like, oh, someone's looking for someone to be on a panel. Oh, I know Felicia. She's interested in that kind of work. Or, oh, so and just work just started to come my way and different speaking gigs and, and meeting different people like Allison, who you had on your podcast last episode. She's been such a great connector of introducing me to other women that are doing, whether it be podcasts or having great events. And I think that's kind of for everybody. Like you kind of have this goal you want, but you keep it in because you don't want to tell anyone because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, what if it doesn't go well? And I just finally said, no, I'm going to tell people this is what I want to do. And the moment I did, they just started sending me work. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
I did tell you that, didn't I? <laughs> Hold me accountable. I love that though, because you're so right. It can be super easy. I think especially with women, we do tend to want to keep things a little bit closer to our chest just because we're worried of what if someone tells me I can't do it or what if, you know, someone steals my opportunity or whatever, but there's so much power in just saying those goals out loud. Yes. It's so true. It's like, first you say them out loud and then you say them to someone else. Yep. And then you put it out there in writing or whatever it might be. And now it's like etched in stone. Okay. Someone out there is going to hold me accountable and say, you said you wanted to do this. I shared your name. And it's, it's kind of that good push that you need. And I definitely needed that. And I'm thankful that I had people reach out to me because I don't know if I would have on my own. I don't know if I would have known where to start. Yeah. People always ask me, how do you get started? And it's like, it's simple to say for, oh, you just start. You know, you do one and you post it. And the next thing you know, someone's like, oh, she's in that line of work. Okay. And they keep you in mind for other things. And that's kind of how mine has turned into what it's been lately. That's such good advice. And I think that that could really apply to any number of goals in, in addition to, to speaking, which is wonderful. Right. So you also have your coaching business. It's kind of twofold. One, one kind of hat of it is where you coach young athletes. How did you get into that? And what inspired you to start coaching young athletes? Yeah. So I was coaching high school track and I loved it. I loved the, I was working with young girls. So high school girls track, sprint hurdles and relays. And I found myself just like wanting to leave work to go coach. <laughs> and I was very thankful that my boss at the time was also coaching. He was coaching his daughter's team. So we both were leaving like at two o'clock and he was totally fine with it. But I just found that the girls were looking towards me for more than just coaching. I was like their big sister and counselor and the parents were reaching out to me and saying like, you've been such a great role model. Um, but our daughter's been running track for five years and she hasn't had a woman coach before. And I'm just like, what? Wow. And then I had me thinking, how many women coaches did I have? I had one in high school and she was um, like the cross country coach. And I did cross country for a season, but no actual like sprints and hurdle and relays coach. Yeah. And I just felt like, wow, there's such a need for in this space to have more female coaches. But I, I found that coaching track became just very demanding on my time when it came to weekends and, you know, athletes get out of school or high schools get out of school at like, like 245 and with having a nine to five job, that was just hard to do. Yeah. So when I moved from Spokane to Seattle or back to Seattle, I, I found an opportunity to kind of have a fresh start and say, okay, I enjoyed coaching, but what I really loved was working with athletes. How can I turn this into a business and maybe step out of the being part of a school district? Mm-hmm. Um, and have my own power to make my schedule. And so I was like, I had to do private coaching. I had to do like one-on-one or work with club teams. So that's what I did. I, I reached out to a few club teams in the, the Bellevue and Eastside area. And they were, same thing, they were looking for a female coach. And what I realized was that there was a lot of sports when it comes to softball, soccer, lacrosse, um, that they focus more on the technical aspect of their sport, but not running. Mm. And the coaches don't know how to teach running because yeah. their, their, their specialty is if it's softball, like, oh, we've got a batting coach and a catching coach and a pitching coach. 
but you run the bases, like, but we don't have a running coach. And so that's, I found that there was like a need for it, but also the coaches that they were having, they were all men. Mm. There's not a lot of women that do sports performance or speed and agility. So I kind of like enjoyed the challenge of, okay, let me, get, let me enter into this space. And the moment I did, more coaches reached out and they started sharing that, you know, they're the dads of their coaching, of their team and their daughters on their team. And they don't have any women on the staff and they need to switch it up. And so I felt like I really kind of came in and I filled a spot that a lot of these teams were looking for was this role model and this coach that can relate to their athletes. And since then it's kind of just taken off and it's allowed me to stay with our youth because I think the next generation needs that kind of imagery and representation in sports and performance world for Not sure woman, but a woman of color yes uh, you know and so I've it's like I said it's taken off and it's been something that I've really enjoyed watching grow and I've actually had to learn and expand myself because I was so used to track I had to study a lot on soccer and lacrosse and be able to pitch myself of why speed translates over to all sports. Why learning how to run fast and good mechanics will help you be a better soccer athlete, lacrosse athlete, softball, baseball, whatever it might be. So that's kind of how, like, long story short, that's how I got <laughs> into the world. Now, that's wonderful though, because I think a lot of people could have easily just said, well, coaching doesn't fit my schedule anymore, so I'm not going to do it as to where you took something that you love to do you filled a need and you found a way to kind of still fulfill that passion by making it work for you. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's business for you. And I, when I was at Gonzaga, I got my MBA and it taught me so much about um, how to think outside the box and how to be creative, but how to find a business that's going to thrive and continue to grow is by finding something that's out there, but you're finding a solution to an issue. Yeah. And a lot of the, the issue was, we don't have women coaches. Mm -hmm. And the issue was we want to get our athletes better. My, my coach keeps telling my daughter needs to get faster. My son needs to get faster. I don't know where to go. So I had to step out of my comfort zone because I could have just kept doing track. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. That's what I knew. But after a while, there was a, a ceiling on track because in track you have like your high school coach, your club coach. Here I come and I'm just another coach on their list and it's also too much on the athlete to do that much running yeah so I was like okay how do I make this a business I got to go into a, a different industry where it's actually going to be something where they're it's needed yes. so so great and you also coach adults as well or coach women um and I would love to hear maybe what some of your experiences have been kind of the differences between coaching young athletes and coaching women and what that experience has been like yeah you know I feel like coaching young athletes I've realized that it's so much more than just teaching them how to run mm -hmm. I'm also teaching them how to be confident in their body at that young age where you're kind of going through adolescence and you're awkward or coordination is not all there. And I, I feel like I've had to add that mental component to our coaching and do self-talk mm. and talk to the young girls and, and honestly, boys, I mean, a majority of my uh, athletes are girls. Mm -hmm. I say 70%, but I do have a handful of boys that I work with. Yeah. And even at that age too, for them, you know, they'll come to me and say, I'm slow. 
or I can't do that. Or they've already been labeled and had that label on them that they're the slow athlete and that's why they have to work with me. And so breaking down that wall and building that confidence, mm-hmm. that's something that I've noticed with the young athletes that I'm, I'm doing more of and being comfortable in their body. And with the women, I would say like they've kind of got that confidence, but maybe they've gone through something, whether it be um, had a baby or just a different life change and they have to regain that confidence as well. So I do find myself talking a little bit more about body image with them too, but with them, it's more about like overall fitness, which has been, which is something I've enjoyed and kind of moving away from speed and agility and talking about getting in the weight room and getting stronger and um, really getting comfortable with dumbbells and a barbell. And so it's fun to teach them because being a track athlete, I did so much like weight room, like Olympic lifting and I feel like women as general get scared to be in the touch the weights. They want to yeah. use maybe the machines or, you know, but just getting comfortable with those free weights. And so I find that I'm also working with them on that side of getting comfortable and confident with their body and with trying different exercises. Absolutely. And I, I think it's really interesting that the kind of common denominator in both of those groups is confidence and self-talk because you know, when people think about trainers or fitness coaches, I think they only think about the workout component, but yeah, like teaching people how to reprogram their thoughts and how they talk to themselves is such a big part of fitness coaching. And it's really interesting that that kind of stays consistent no matter how old the client is. Yeah, it's so true. Because I, I work with someone as young as 10 and, and, and someone else is in their 40s. So it's, it crosses over. It's just a different confidence that we're working on, whether it be with a drill or with their body or with trying something new out of their comfort zone. But at the end of the day, it is that self-talk and dealing with how do I overcome this insecurity that I might have. Mm -hmm. And from a personal standpoint, you know, with you having a background as a professional athlete to now kind of working out more so for longevity and, and personal well-being, can you talk to us a little bit about your personal relationship with fitness and how that has changed over time? Oh, it has changed so much. Um, (laughs) It's like, for me, being an athlete, I still say that I'm an athlete, but just not at the level I was before. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college or running pro, it was all about the miles and the impact. I was putting so many miles on myself and I was lifting heavy weight. And now that's shifted because A, I don't have the time. And that was like part of my job, you know, like to work out. So it, it was my priority and now my priorities have shifted, but I still have to work out. And so I've learned how to get a good workout in, in a shorter amount of time. Mm -hmm. So learning just to do a quick little 20 minute workout and just move around and being okay with that, like not being so hard on myself because my expectations and standard of a workout was you go run for 20, 30 minutes and that might be like 10, 200s and strides. And then you go in the weight room and you lift for 45 minutes and then you finish on core. So like working out was a two hour ordeal. Mm. Now it's like, okay, Felicia, you worked out for 20 minutes, but you still worked out. It was a good workout. You got what you needed to get in. Totally. And then, and then adapting to like my body too, you know, like when you're running that many miles a day or a week, 
I can eat whatever and burn off so much. And now I'm like, okay, can't do that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, and so just shifting. So I do fun little circuits now and I try to get creative with it, whether it's free weights and mm. I'm actually building a home gym. So I'm excited to, to get some barbells in there and uh, do some little, some wads with like Olympic lifting and some snatches and cleans and things like that. So that'll be fun. Oh my gosh. That sounds like so much fun. And for you, when it comes to your personal fitness and kind of how you train your clients, maybe this is more relevant for your adult clients. How has your background in athletics kind of shaped your approach to fitness? Yeah. So I, I would say it's kind of, it's shaped it by kind of the style of the workouts I've put together. I feel like I always add like a cardio component and a strength component. And that's kind of shaped my style when it comes to how we do our layouts for our workout. Mm-hmm. But also I, I feel like I gravitated towards individuals who have a little bit of like an athletic background. So some of my adult clients are former soccer athletes. And so they don't mind kind of getting out on the turf and doing some fun little drills or they run half marathons or 10 Ks, things like that. So there's still that athletic and uh, sports idea to the workout. Yeah. So that helps me keep it in my, uh, my box and in my expertise. <laughs> so that's always good for me. Absolutely. And I'm sure it makes it more fun too. It does. Yeah. And I want to kind of circle back a little bit um, because I think it was really interesting how when you were talking about your journey, getting into coaching young athletes, that the kind of message over and over was that there were not a lot of female coaches out there. And representation is a really big theme of this podcast. It's a really big part of the conversations that I aim to have. Um, And so I would love to kind of dive into that a little bit more in terms of what representation looks like as a coach who's a woman, as a woman of color. Um, And in one of the first few episodes of the shows, or of this show, I talked about uh, wellness, the wellness space, feeling very white and kind of shared my thoughts on why having the mainstream wellness space feel so one-dimensional is kind of detrimental for everyone, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe your experiences being a part of the online wellness space and what you think is at stake if wellness doesn't feel inclusive for everyone. Yeah. I, it's one of those things I think Chrissy was talking about it, but like when you go to the gym and maybe you're looking for a trainer and you're not finding someone that understands like your culture, mm-hmm. maybe how you eat or how you work out or that your family doesn't really work out. And that's the first start. Like I've, I feel like because I'm in this fitness industry, I have a lot of my family members reaching out to me of, can you create me a workout or can you give me some good things to eat? And I'm all about it because it's like education first, but what they're sharing is like, they might be going to a, a gym, a local gym and not see anyone that they feel that looks like them or looking at the the gym in itself and seeing their members and not seeing it looks like them. And, and that's a, the start of for me. And I'm telling like my family and friends and people of color, like bring your friend to the gym with you. Like let's start to have just the individuals who attend the gym and who are at the gym fill a diversity. And then from that, let's start adding the trainers. I will say that in the sports performance world, I think that there's more people of color than in 
personal training itself Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the coaches are former athletes. And so in my world, a lot of the other coaches really focus on football. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of former football players. So when I go to a session or I'm out on the, a turf field, I'm seeing a lot of people of color and, and when it comes to like the coaches and trainers. So that's been interesting, but they just have been all men. Yeah. So that's kind of what I said. It's different. But at one point I worked at a gym and it was similar to what I was saying earlier that there wasn't any individuals of color uh, for trainers. Yeah. And that's just a hard conversation to have when you're, you're trying to promote health and wellness, but it definitely starts from within and working with your family and, and encouraging them to work out. And I, I just feel like it's something that has started decades and decades ago of encouraging grandma, your uncle, you know, that get into the gym. I've been working with my mom to get into the gym. She's amazing. And she's a walker. Mm-hmm. She loves to go to the park and just walk. And I'm like, <laughs> it's cold outside. I'm like going to the gym. And she's like, uh, I don't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, and she's like, well, I don't know. Like there, fitness was never introduced to me when I was yeah. young. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and it had me thinking of how, sports and fitness was introduced to me my parents either one of them were athletic or played a sport mainly because for my mom you know she came from the era where she couldn't play sports Mm. and so for her fitness was like going outside and playing outside it wasn't any organized sports or it wasn't like picking up a dumbbell she doesn't ever remember her mom working out um and so it it just makes you kind of think about the historic standpoint of people of color and in their introduction to fitness and where that started. And I would say most of our family or like parents or grandparents don't understand that concept of being in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've had family members say to me before, like, oh, why are you going to the gym? You're already small. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not, um, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, that's not really the point, but <laughs> it is that generational kind of mentality and reteaching and relearning. Right. Reteaching and relearning what fitness looks like to you. And so I share with others, of, you know, what do you want your fitness to be? Whether it be, it doesn't always have to be in a gym. It could be going for a run or a walk, or it could be trying a different class. It could be yoga, kickboxing, like just different ways to get yourself out there and moving around. And so, and some love to just be in the home and do their own home workouts and that's fine too. And so mm-hmm. finding what works for you and then just really diving into it. But yeah, there's that generational gap of when do you, how are you introduced to fitness? But yeah, it, it's it's hard because I you don't know what st- comes first, and when you go into a gym, you want to feel comfortable and you want to expand and try new things, but you also want to look around and feel like, okay, do I see anyone that I recognize? Do I see anyone that I feel like I can relate to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think if you look around and see people you can relate to, it feels like less of an uphill battle. It feels like, Hey, I can do it. If that person can do it, if that person understands your same background or has maybe overcome the same things you've overcome. But if you look around and you see people who just have a totally different life experience, then it's like, well, can I do it? I don't know. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's also like for some of my um, female clients, 
how they talk about going to a gym and it doesn't always have to be just difference of ethnicity. It's also, okay, well, I see a lot of guys who are big and bulky and are lifting. Mm-hmm. That's intimidating to me. And so I try to explain to other people that, you know, it feels the same for us when we're looking at a gym. We don't see anyone that looks like us. Mm-hmm. That's how you go to a gym. You get intimidated because you don't see anyone that's the same fitness level of you. It's the same style, whether it be fitness level, whether it be gender, whether it be race, there's all those barriers where we want to find a community within our fitness world and journey. Absolutely. And what do you think we, I say we as kind of a larger collective of fitness professionals um, or just people in the wellness space overall, what do you think folks in the wellness space can do to make that space feel more inclusive for more people? Yeah, I feel like it's like, Bringing a partner along, like bringing someone in and introducing them to fitness um, in their own style. So for me, like for fully performance, what I'm trying to do is bring more women into the space. And I would also love to bring not just women, women of color, whatever it might be, but starting with women first and expanding that so more athletes can see someone that looks like them and relate to them when it comes to their training. And so I feel like creating that platform, which is like what you're doing too. So once you get to a point where you have a voice, you have a little bit of power, put your hand out and bring someone else along that you feel like might need that push or that pull into your community. Yeah. So it starts with family. It starts with friends and introducing them to that or invite them to an upcoming event, whether it be spin or, um, like you had Curvy Girl on here and <laughs> he was talking about trap, uh, trap spin or trap. Yes. I've heard about it so much. We'll have to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Some of my coworkers were talking about it. It's such a small world in Seattle. Oh yeah. But they were talking about going and they sent me a link and I couldn't go because I had a training session going on, but that's how it starts. Like mm-hmm. she just said, I want to go and I'm going to invite six or seven people that I thought would enjoy this. And they were all women of color and and it came like four or five women to go and they enjoyed it. And that just sparks something that turns into something else. They post it on Instagram and it's like, oh, I didn't know that was out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yes. And I, kind of along those same lines, I know for you, a lot of the athletes that you coach are in kind of the East side area for maybe people who are not familiar with um, kind of the geography of the Seattle area, kind of on the East side, which is an area that is traditionally, I don't want to say less diverse, but a little bit. It is. It is a little bit. And I think that having you as a woman of color coach a lot of these young, affluent, probably white athletes is also really, really powerful. Um, is that also something that you kind of think about and how does that feel? Yeah, it is. Um, when I was in Spokane coaching, I was going back to school and getting my MBA and a lot of the athletes were like, Oh, you're going to school. I thought you were older than that. What are you, you're going to undergrad. You're only like 20, 20 or something. I'm like, no, I appreciate you that you thought I was 20, but (laughs) no, I'm not 20. I'm going back to school to get a master's degree. And they're like, wait, what? Why would you do that? And I was just like, wow. Okay. So I just had having that, that conversation with them. 
and talking about expanding yourself and going to college and going back to college if needed. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that with that group sharing a little bit of my personal story and what I did outside of coaching them, open their eyes to see that, oh, okay, I can do that too. And so moving to Seattle, same thing, you know, seeing someone of color be their coach is so good for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I struggle both sides of that. Like I enjoy representing, um, being a role model for our race and being a person of color on this side, but I also struggle because I feel like I want to help more people of color as well. Mm-hmm. I love to have a more diverse group of athletes. Yeah. And it's, it's hard cause you're like, Oh, it's a business and you want to have your business grow, but you also want to make sure you're helping those that are in need. So mm-hmm. I've been wanting to join up with like the YMCA or the boys and girls club and do some like free sessions or half off and, get into communities where they need this type of training, but maybe can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I want to add to my business to be able to show people of color what I do as well and add that on because I I do work. I do have a somewhat diverse pool of athletes on this side, but it's not as much as it could be if I went to Seattle. Yeah, definitely. But I think that that's also really powerful. And I think that with, I mean, building a business, kind of the more you build, the more people you can help and right. the more you will be able to expand and, and do that, which is wonderful. So true. So I would also like to talk to you a little bit about self-care because honestly, just knowing you in real life, but then also still watching you in the internet <laughs> space, I'm like, how does Felicia do all of these things? Because you work like full-time in fundraising, which is a lot of like talking, traveling, networking, you have this in-person business where you're coaching athletes, like you have the full online business. How how do you do all of that? And what do you do for self-care? That's such a good question. (laughs) I feel like sometimes I go and go and go until I get burnt out and I'm like, oh, I need to take a break. And I'm working on taking that break before I get to that point. Yeah. And with that being said, I had to be very conscious of like, what my priorities are. Yeah. So what am I trying to do and put it into different buckets? Because at the end of the day, I'm also married and I have a great husband and I want to spend time with him as well. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of put like families up there, my job at UW, my business, you know, myself, like those are all the buckets. And if something gets brought to me and it doesn't fulfill or get me closer to one of those three categories improving in those, then I say no. And so that's what I'm working on is saying no. And that's part of my self-care is knowing when to say no and not feeling I have to take on everything. Mm-hmm. Be superwoman. Um, I went to the Cleo Wade event, which you were at. Yes. And it's so good for her to kind of break down what self-care is and this idea that sometimes self-care doesn't have to be like a maintenance activity. So you think, oh, I'm going to the gym. Well, that's kind of maintenance on your body. Like, what are you doing that you just truly enjoy? And I truly enjoy going to the gym. I know some people might not. To them, it's like, oh. But (laughs) it had me kind of rethinking, like, what does self-care mean? And I have this uh, book that I have about, it's called Soul Soothers. And it's 20 to a minute, so 20 seconds to a minute of quick meditations you can do. Whether it be walking, whether it be just in place before you go to bed. and they're great with like affirmations and things of that. 
to kind of remind you and bring your focus back when you feel overwhelmed. So I've been adding those into my day. I've been taking days for myself of just to sometimes just watch reality TV <laughs> and do nothing. Yes. You know, you need to recharge. So I, my self-care sometimes seems to be like doing more like nothing, mm-hmm. just having a moment to myself, slowing things down and then saying no to some things. I definitely do the the standard of maybe like get my nails done or go get a, a massage or something like that. But for the most part, it's just something where I'm able to slow down and take some time for myself. Oh, I love that. I love that because even for the more kind of physical things, getting your nails done and all that stuff, it, it's great. And it like feels good while you're doing it, but you still need something to kind of nourish your soul. And I think that for true self-care, it more so is the latter. Right. Like reading a book sometimes, it just calms me down and nice little bubble bath, like things like that. Mm -hmm. I've just realized like sometimes you don't, you don't need to spend money to have self-care moments. Totally. And I think we get caught up in that. Oh, this is a, this is a day for me and it's packed with all these things and massage you here, there, and then you're tired after all of it. I'm like, oh, because I've been going and going. <laughs> this is the exact opposite of what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be alone. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, having some time to just to stop. Yeah, and recharge for mm-hmm. sure. And that book sounds amazing. We'll have to link that in the show notes for. Yeah, it is. Wants to check it out. I want it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's nice because it's just little quick ones. Because you think that. And that was also something that shares in the first chapter of when you think of meditation, you think of like going into a room and it has to be something where something like clicks on on you and you're like, oh, I feel refreshed. And sometimes <laughs> it, it could be literally just a minute to stop, <laughs> like slow your heart rate down. Uh, actually, I think I found the book via Oprah's podcast. Mm. Oh, I mean, always Super a great recommendation. Like, yes. You can't go wrong with. Auntie O. <laughs> I know. I just hear her voice. I'm like, oh, Oprah. And the people <laughs> she brings on, on the show are so like intentional and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I find myself taking notes after. Yeah. Oprah. Like, I would love <laughs> to meet her in person. Oh, for sure. That's goals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of along those same lines, I would love to hear what does being a balanced Black girl look like for you? Ooh. Being a balanced black girl, you know, for me, it's, it's a combination of doing exactly what I set out to do when it comes to like my goals, mm-hmm. you know, having balance. I'm still working on balance, but being able to feel like I'm moving forward and like finding my purpose. Yeah. And that's something I'm always like rethinking of, like, is this what I've been meant to do? Is this my passion? And so staying along those lines of like my passion and my purpose, but also giving back as much as I take from people. You know, I've been working on that balance of really investing in my friends and my community and my husband and whatever might be and finding people who send that love and investment back to me and being the best me I can to our community and to just the world. I feel like with where we are right now, it's so key for us to have some really positive representation of what it means to be um, a professional or coach and to be in that community in that industry and just 
do it at a badass level, you know? And I feel like we're seeing so much that like women aren't making it to the top as CEOs and are on boards. And it's like, it's our generation that's going to get us there and to continue to strive and strive and make those steps forward. And so I feel like every day just putting one foot in front of the other and making sure that I'm investing in myself and others and taking the time to thrive. That is so good. I honestly don't know if I've heard anyone talk about giving back when they frame the conversation around balance. And I love that. And I'm like, I need to be better about that. (laughs) Yeah. I just think you think about balance and it's like, okay, I'm able to juggle all these things. Yeah. But for me, it's kind of, I've had to switch balance because when I think of like juggling all these things, I put too much on my table. Mm -hmm. To me, balance is like kind of that give and take in any type of role or relationship you have. And so finding balance in that and, I've learned that, you know, there are things I want to do and I'm not always going to do them all at a hundred and that is totally fine. And so today I might be an amazing wife or an amazing coach, but I might not have been an amazing friend or whatever it might be. (laughs) You know, you can't be a hundred everything and finding people who understand that, but having them know that, Oh, trust me tomorrow, I'm going to be the amazing friend and someone else is going to get the other side of that. And that balance of kind of ebbing and flow through those different roles and titles you have with people. Yeah. Oh, that is such a great definition of balance that I know I will definitely listen back to because I could take some notes in that area. (laughs) Uh, can we all though? Yeah. Balance is a moving target, you know? It is. And I'm sure if you asked me like in a year or even six months, I'm like, oh, this is what it means to me. It's always changing. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's why it's fun to have conversations about balance so that you can kind of see that snapshot in that point in time of of what it looks like for the individual. Right. So Felicia, what is up next for you? Do you have any speaking engagements coming up? Anything you're working on? What are you like super excited for next? Yeah, a few things. Like I'm, I'm really hoping to expand fleet performance mm-hmm. and bring some coaches on and have them help me really get out to the community and maybe even Seattle. So that's something I'm excited for because I, I really feel like I've been able to build some key relationships and they trust my brand. They trust who I am and would trust whoever I bring on will also deliver that quality work. So that's one bucket that I'm excited for. And then speaking engagement. So with you, I'm speaking at the Ignited Women's Summit. Yes. So excited with Allison. It's going to be so good. That was, we met at the Ignited Women's Summit. We did. Yeah. I had, well, I will say like I had a IG crush. Like you were, (laughs) we were friends on IG already. You didn't know it. (laughs) Totally. And then we became real life friends. (laughs) I think I came up to you. I'm not, I'm just like, you know, I want to say it. Like, I you probably don't know, but I'm friends with you on, on Instagram. I think your page is great. We're like, thanks for saying hi. And I'm like, oh, she's as nice and personal as she is on Instagram. <laughs> I was so excited just because, I mean, you know how Instagram feels where it's like, you know, you're talking to real people, but it still doesn't feel like it sometimes. So like whenever you meet someone from the online space that you actually jive with, it's exciting. Like I was excited. Oh yeah. Same here. Like, and those key, those connections have just built for me and turned like every different uh, 
job thing I'm doing into something else and grown. But yeah, so we met there. So we're both going to be speakers and we're doing a breakout session on branding and a personal brand goal setting strategy. So that's going to be great. And that's in February. And then I'm also doing this like online webinar with Gonzaga and it's about women in leadership. So over the course of 10 months, they've got 10 speakers that will be talking once a month online about their own journey and what leadership looks like to them. And so you sign in and for an hour, I'll be doing like a more interactive webinar talking about finding like resilience in leadership. And so I'll be tying in like my athletic background and how you can take some of those key points and use it within your work or even within whether you're a trainer, whether you're in the professional field and doing a teaching or fundraising sales and find ways to implement those tools I have. So that's in December. So those are the two upcoming speaking events. That is super exciting. So we will have to get a link to that to share out with our audience because I'm sure lots of people will want to sign up and be a part of the webinar. And then we absolutely will have links to Ignited Women as well because we would love to see y'all out there. (laughs) Yes. Everyone listening, you have to come. I was doing a free giveaway for a ticket. I actually still have one more ticket left. And I, if you look at my recent post, I will be giving away the last ticket on Friday. So if this is aired by then, I think, I think it will be. Okay. (laughs) Or if not, we'll still link back to it so people can still. Yeah. Can still. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Felicia, tell our audience where they can find you because I know everyone was super inspired by you today and is going to want to follow you. Yeah. So my personal page is Felicia 11, F-A-L-E-S-H-A 11. And that's on Instagram. Um, then my speed and agility sports performance company is Fleet Performance. And you can find me on Instagram, Fleet Performance, on Facebook, uh, www.fleetperformance is my website. So there's a couple of different areas. And Fleet Perf is my Twitter. So whether it is more of the business side you want to hear about, I try to share my uh, work experience and just little tools on my Instagram page and my personal page. And then on my fleet performance page, I try to make it very educational and share drills when it comes to speed and agility, but as well as fitness, I do a fitness Friday and I put more overall fitness uh, workouts on there too. Yeah. And y'all need to check out her workouts. They're awesome. I love watching your workouts. So I got to get back into them. I love yours. (laughs) I also got to get back into them so we can, we can hold each other accountable. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. And we will have all of that linked in the show notes too, so that everyone knows exactly where to find you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Felicia. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for creating this. This is a space that has been so much needed and it's so refreshing to be able to go, whether it is your Instagram page or your podcast and just see the posts and being able to relate to them. And I always want to put like, yes, on everything. I'm like, this is amazing. So I appreciate you for having the courage to step out on your faith and put this out there and create a platform for others. Thank you. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And I mean, and I appreciate having folks like you and all the guests who come on and add your unique voice and expertise 
to the platform as well, because that's what it's all about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.